have your Bibles tonight, turn me, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. I want you to notice, if you would, uh, uh, if, if you will, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, um, notice the outline. Solomon praised wisdom. Wisdom, now listen to this definition. Wisdom gives understanding of how to apply the Scriptures. Wisdom gives understanding of how to apply the Scriptures. So there's something about wisdom. God said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So the Lord will give you the ability to make wise decisions. It's up to us to study God's Word so we can use them and make good decisions. Now, notice with me, if you would, uh, A in the outline, a wise man has a joyful countenance. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. Who is as the wise man? And who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? Who knows how to understand something? A man's wisdom maketh his face to shine. When you and I make good decisions, it gives a joy of heart. <clears throat> it gives us the ability to, uh, to smile and, and to have a joyful heart. When we make good decisions, when we help others make good decisions, when you give good advice, it helps us. And we feel like, wow, thank you, Lord, for helping me to help someone else. Notice, if you would, be in the outline. God wants man to learn by wisdom and not by experience. Now, I'm going to take just a minute. Uh, the difference between wisdom and experience is what? Wisdom is a gift of God. Experience is the pain of man. We learn by making mistakes, or we learn by we did it right one time, now we can do it right the next time because we've done it right the first time. But many times, experience, people say, is the best teacher. It is not the best teacher. Wisdom is the best teacher. To take and ask the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit guide you through wisdom that you make a good decision based upon Scripture, that's the best teacher. Because then you have no scars. Many times we learn something because we got hurt. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I told you I remember <clears throat> uh, having a fireplace, and I built a rip-roaring fire in the fireplace, and, and I was so proud of it. And, and it, it but but I, I noticed that there was a little gap in the screens. And so everyone, something would pop, and it would come out. Land on the on the mantle on, on the hearth, and I said, you know, I better close those things so that it doesn't pop out. And I reached up and grabbed, you know, they got two little bar, the little tool, uh, metal rings that hang down. I reached up and grabbed those things. Oh my goodness, I couldn't let go fast enough, and I had the imprint of those rings on my finger. It had burned them in my finger. And you know what? From now on, when I see a fireplace. And I see that little hang-me-down thing. I just put my hands behind my back. I've learned by experience. I do not want to learn by experience anymore. How many of you have ever taken a hammer and you've been hammering away and you put the nail there and you held your finger, held the nail, and you missed the nail and hit your finger? And so you were much more careful the next time. How many have ever been hammering something over your head? You know what I'm going to say next. How many have you been having? How many have ever done that? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. I see two, three people, four people. Uh, you've been hammering up, and right there. 
Now, that's hard to explain. How'd you get that knot, Pastor? None of your business. That's why I got my knot. Because you don't want to tell someone, I hit myself in the head with my hammer. That is not a good thing. But that experience is a tough teacher. It's a lot better just learned by the wisdom of God. So notice, if you would, uh, Roman numeral 2, we ought to abide by the laws of the land. Now, this is a quick section that Solomon is speaking about. uh, And you've got to remember, in his day, kings had ultimate power. He had absolute power. And he was saying, look, if you're smart, you'll abide by the laws of the land. Now, in the book of Romans, if you have your Bible, turn me, if you would, to Romans 13. I want you to see that in the New Testament. Romans uh, 13, I want you to see what he's saying. And it's a lesson for us to teach our children. Uh, We can learn it ourselves. Notice with me, if you would. Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Notice, if you would, verse 7, Render therefore to all their dues tribute, to whom tribute is to custom, to custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, fear would be respect. So, okay, the, the laws of the land, uh, those that enforce the law, that's where we give respect to a police officer. We give respect to a teacher. We give respect to a fireman. Uh, we give respect to those people that, that, that have, that by the law of the land that we do. Uh, so uh, if you're driving along and you see these flashing lights and then you see flares on the road, what do you do? You slow down, you get over to the left-hand side, you get over to the right-hand side. We obey the laws of the land. Therefore, our benefit, notice if you would in the outline, uh, Roman numeral 2, we ought to obey the laws of the land. Now, notice if you would, A, rulers can do whatever they think is right, especially if they're a king or one of absolute power. <clears throat> there are some people that really don't have a lot of <clears throat> uh, checks and balances. Now, a judge <clears throat> can get away with a lot. I mean, they can make rulings that take an awful lot to undo it. Uh, we, we, I remember having a, a, a family that uh, went to court. They were getting a divorce, and, and she tried to correct the judge from what she was trying to say. Oh, judge, that's not right. Can you tell me how you guessed that went? It did not go well at all. She lost everything she was asking for. And that's what he is saying here. Whenever there's a, uh, there is a judge or, or, or a king or there is a president or there is a senator or there is something, uh, that, someone that has a, a lot of power, he said the best thing you can do is be obedient, is that you can just uh, kind of stay out of the way. Well, notice what he says in, in verse number 2, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment. He said, I'm just giving you some advice. Keep the king's commandment and that in the regard of the oath of God as though it is uh, God's uh, uh, command to you. Uh, in, 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 in verse number three, be not hasty to go out of his sight. Don't just decide, I'm going to do my own thing. He said, stand not in an evil thing for he doeth whatsoever he pleaseth. Uh, a, a judge or a king or a... How many of you remember we had a man in our church that a U.S. senator got after him and didn't 
uh, wanted to try to ruin him because he didn't like what he had done. And how many of you remember that? And we prayed, and we prayed for over a year. He lost his job, and we prayed over a year for the Lord to reverse it. Uh, There was nothing anybody could do. As a matter of fact, he went back to his home state and couldn't even get a job as a dog catcher. And he used to be on the president's personal detail to protect him. And he couldn't get a job anywhere. He said, Pastor, what am I going to do? I can't take care of my family. I'm ruined. I said, well, we're going to pray. And you know what happened in the end. In the end, uh, he was exonerated, and the uh, senator sort of left him alone. After that, he realized he, he couldn't win this battle, and he was promoted. He was rewarded. He was uh, received a bonus, uh, received citations, and he looked at me and said, I don't know how this is happening. Only the Lord did it. And it was through everybody's prayers that God overruled someone that had a great deal of power. <clears throat> well, the, he, Solomon is saying here, look, it's better for you to be wise and just do what's there to protect yourself and, and follow the law of the land. Now, notice with me, if you would, in the outline, uh, B, uh, rulers enforce the law of the land. <clears throat> now, obviously, there are bad rulers. <clears throat> and obviously, there are uh, bad policemen, there are bad firemen, there are bad presidents, there are bad preachers, there's bad everything. So we're not just totally blind to things, but the rule of the, the Scriptures is that obey the laws of the land, and it'll go better for you. That's wisdom. <clears throat> so notice with me, if you would, uh, see in the outline, we should not question authority. Now, let me explain to you the principle behind that. We're going to go on with the, the verse, um, with, the, with the, patch, or the, 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 the outline. We obey for God and conscience' sake. Now, we should not question authority. Um, if you all the time talk in your house about um, questioning the police officer, questioning this person, questioning your boss, questioning that person, people in authority, guess Who's going to do it to you? Your children. And eventually they begin to question God because the authority, as he's saying, is in the Lord's place. So we learn to support authority. And 99 times out of 100, it's a good thing. Sure, there are some that need to be removed. Sure, there are some police officers. But in our world, it's like you've got one bad police officer and 500 that are good, and we focus on that one bad and say, oh, police officers are bad, and we want to get rid of them. There's been movements to get rid of the police force. That would be the most foolish thing we could possibly do. We want to support the authority over us. And so at your job, you want to support your boss. You Now, it doesn't mean you don't have a boss that maybe doesn't do right all the time, but pray for them and pray them out of their position. But be careful because anytime you go up against someone that has authority, you have to be very careful. It can go bad for you quick. So that's what he's saying in the passage. Now notice if you would, uh, D, when one obeys, he will suffer no evil or punishment. Look, if you would, in verse, uh, verse 5, whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. He's not going to be punished by being obedient. Notice, if you would, and a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment. A wise man knows 
when he should speak up and when he shouldn't. So if you went over and looked, uh, you could see in Romans 3, 13, 3, it's exactly the same thing. He said he doesn't bear the sword in vain, uh, the man that's in charge of the law. So how many of you have, have uh, how many of you think the IRS maybe is a little bit heavy-handed? I do, okay. Uh, I, you know, sometimes, but they, they have a lot of power. So one day, the IRS sent me a letter. Pastor Pittman, we want you to come in and show us your giving records. We don't think you gave what you said you gave. So I went in in fear and trembling just because it's the IRS. Those three letters make my knees kind of go back and forth. But I had all the documentation. I had everything there. I even had the church statement, and it matched what I put on my income taxes. Well, I walked in, sat down, I'm nervous. Any of you have been checked by the IRS? Anybody here? Just me, huh? Well, okay. So they checked me. They said, you, you, can't, you don't give that much. I said, okay. So I went in there, and I said, here's my letter from Temple Baptist Church. He took that and said, I don't care about that. I said, but it's from my church. Preachers lie. I said, what? He said, I know a lot of lying preachers and lying churches. Show me your cancel checks. I said, okay. So as it is, is my bank report all right? I mean, my, my he said, yeah, I'll see that. So he takes my monthly bank statement and goes down every gift to the church. Every one of them. And I already knew what it was going to get at the end because it matched what I gave to the church. And I expected him to look at me and do something like, well, Pastor Pittman, congratulations. That's great. I, I was a little rough on you. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, there's a lot of people trying to get away with stuff here, and I, I'm trying to stand up for our government. I, I, I expected something like that and looked at me and says, okay, you can go. I said, I said, keep your mouth shut. He is the IRS and obey the laws of the land. I said, thank you. I took my stuff and I walked out of there. And you know what? They haven't checked me again. Thank the Lord. But I did learn because I was going to say, look, you, you, can't, you can't say it was a good job. I mean, you can't say. I just said, forget that, Lord. You know I did my best. I'm out of here. And so all I'm saying is you learn so that you don't put yourself in a spot to get in trouble. All he had to do was check this guy next year. I might have been checked for the rest of my life every year just by being smart or asking a foolish question or, or trying. So all I'm trying to say to you is that when we're facing authority, someone that's over us, be careful how you speak to them, what you say to them. It's not that you have to be wrong. It's just that they have the authority to make life difficult for you, and you don't want to create an issue. And that's really what he's saying here. Now, notice, if you would, uh, in D in the outline, when one obeys, he'll suffer no evil or punishment. When you're obedient, so when the IRS got finished, he said, okay, you can go. Uh, everything was good. Uh, I didn't have any punishment, anything at all. Uh, there was no ill, and I haven't been checked 
since. So I'm assuming you put me on a list, this guy's okay. And even though, you know, I, I think anybody that, you know, you, you, you get well, like our church, we give to, our tithes and we give to missions, it's, it's a lot more than the average person gives. And that's what he was doing, was checking what the average person does. And so when he realized that they were all documented, oh, okay, and it's done. So I, I'm assuming he put me on a list and said, you don't need to check anymore. Uh, all I'm trying to say to you is when we do what's right, when we're facing authority, it always goes better for us. Just remember, that's what Solomon is saying. Use wisdom. Watch what you say and how you say it. Now, notice, if you would, Roman numeral three. There is a purpose and a day of judgment for everything. Now, uh, when you get this one, everything we do either has a human or an eternal purpose. Look in verse 6. He says, because to every purpose there is a time and judgment. Therefore, the misery of man is great upon him. So if we're not careful, what we do is we have, uh, we have a time and a purpose for everything. Uh, the Lord has a time and a purpose for everything. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, as it is appointed unto man once to die. It is important that you and I, uh, we have judgment and we have time to die. The Lord knows all that. And so he's just pointing out in this passage, if you'll notice verse 6, because to every purpose there is a time and a judgment. Uh, everything we do has a purpose humanly or eternally. And we want to be careful of the purpose humanly to make sure it's for every time we can to make sure it's an eternal purpose. Uh, let me give you an example. Real simple. You can make a pie for pie night to try to tr impress everybody and lose your reward. Because, Lord, I'm going to make this pie for your sake. Do you realize a Christian is supposed to live for the Lord's glory in every purpose of his life? When you go to work, you ought to work so you bring glory to God. The effort, the spirit, the timeliness, the purpose is for the Lord's sake. Everything that you and I do. That's what it said in 2 John, look to yourselves that we lose not that which we have wrought. Everything that you and I do is going to be placed in the fire of try, of trial. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And only that which comes out. So if you take the book of David Pittman's life, and the Bible says every idle word is written therein, Matthew 12, 36. So if all your words are written in a book, and all of your thoughts are in that book, and it's placed in the fire that tries why we did it and how we did it. And only what's done for Christ is going to come out of there. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean we don't, um, we don't love our children with all of our hearts. We don't love our children because we're supposed to. We love our children because the Lord wants us to. And Lord, I'm doing this for you. You love your wife not because you're trying to get something out of your wife or you're trying to look good at church because you're trying to be like Christ loved you as Christ loved the church. So all of our lives, our actions, our deeds are to be, Lord, for your sake. 
And then everything in our life has an eternal purpose. So we teach our children, when you're doing your work, the Lord's preparing you for something, son or honey, your daughter. Do it for the Lord's sake. Do you think they could write better if they did it for the Lord's sake? you think they could read better if they did it for the Lord's sake? So the goal is to teach your children by your example that everything that you do is for the Lord's sake. Um, notice with me, if you would, in the outline very quickly. Um, no one knows the future. In verse 7, he says, For he knoweth not that which shall be. No one knows what's going to be in the future. And he's trying to get us to understand to trust the Lord. Well, notice what he says. No one controls his day of death. Notice in verse 8. There is no man that has power over his spirit to retain the spirit. You don't know when you're going to die, and you can't stop it. You can't control it. Now, one of the gracious things the Lord does for all of us, he doesn't tell us the day of our death. Can you imagine what that would be like? On October 31st, I'm going to die. I'm going to heaven. What would that do for your life? Well, oh, I got to make sure I got to I got to go to the insurance guy. I got to I got to make sure I, I got to make sure I got this. I got that. I, I mean, but then you begin to think about it. Would you tell your wife? Would you tell your husband? Would you tell your children? That's a heavy weight. And he says, look. No one controls the day of your death. As it is appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. The Lord's being gracious to us, but he does have it planned out. Notice, if you would, D, I like this one. Wickedness will not deliver those in the day of judgment. Sometimes we begin to think about uh, the, the wicked seem to be blessed. They seem to have a lot. They seem to, things work out for them. Just remember there is a payday coming for every one of us. And if you and I live right and what we do is for the Lord's sake, payday is going to be a good one. That's reason in Timothy, uh, Paul said, 2 Timothy 4, I fought a good fight, I finished my course. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. He knew he had done what was right. He was not arrogant. And the Bible says in First, First John chapter 2 that you and I are to, uh, when we see the Lord, that we're not ashamed, but that with confidence we can say, Lord, I did my best. You and I know when we're doing our best and when we're not. And Solomon is trying to say, look, um, wickedness, the wicked are not going to get away with it. Now, I want you to notice, we're going to keep going, but notice if you would, one, one and two are really important as, as points underneath D. Christ is the judge. He will cast into hell all those that have not received his salvation. Now, tonight, just so that you know, in Revelation chapter 20, the Bible does speak of a great white throne judgment. Look in number two. There is no escape from the great white throne judgment for the wicked. Now, uh, let me just define for you wicked and righteous. It's not how you live. It's based upon one thing. Can anybody tell me what that one thing is? Have you received Christ as your Savior? That's the difference between the wicked and the righteous. 
There are two different judgments. The judgment seat of Christ is for the righteous. When he gives us reward for the way we live, the great white throne judgment is for the wicked. There's no escape. They're going to be cast into hell. And the Bible says the books are open. There are degrees in hell. How many of you realize that? There are degrees in hell. The Bible does speak about he's going to be placed in the, uh, the lowest hell. So there are some people that are so wicked, God's going to place them in. I have no idea how you get to the lowest hell, but it is a place reserved for the most wicked. And so you notice in this passage, wickedness will not deliver. They're not going to get by when they die. And so you and I, we don't have to worry about the wicked. We just take care and say, Lord, I want to I trust you as my Savior. You write my name on the book of life. Uh, the Lord looked at his disciples, 70 disciples, and he sent them out. And they came back and said, Lord, uh, even the devils were subject unto us. And we could cast them out. And, and, and it was a wonderful thing. We could heal people. It was wonderful. He said, look, don't rejoice that you had power to heal and you could cast out the devils. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So everybody in this room tonight, make sure your name's written in heaven. 1 John 5, 13, these things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Everybody in this room can be assured you're on the way to heaven if you've personally come to Jesus Christ and received him as your Savior. Without that, one second past death is so horrible it can't even be described. And that's the reason Jesus died for everybody in this room, everybody on this earth, to deliver you from this great white throne judgment. Now, notice with me, if you would, uh, in Roman number four, God's grace toward the wicked does have an end. If you'll notice, if you would, in chapter eight, he said, verse 11, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. So if the Lord doesn't, if the Lord gives grace to someone and doesn't punish them immediately, many times uh, it's, it, it allows them to say, well, I got away with it once, I'll do it again. And so the Lord is being gracious uh, let me ask this question. How many of you have ever been driving your car and you've been thinking about something else? You went over a hill and there's a police officer sitting right there. And you let off the gas and it's like, oh, no, I got caught. And for some reason, he was eating his lunch and you drove right on by. Anybody ever done that other than me? And, I mean, you know, you try to do what's right, but I have been going too fast thinking about something else. Now, you're not supposed to do that. That's the wrong thing to do, and you deserve to get a ticket. But I have thanked the Lord on more than one occasion. Lord, thank you for your grace. But I tell you this. I remember one Sunday morning. Now, don't tell anybody I told you this, okay? I was coming to church on Sunday morning, and we were having a dinner, state dinner, for first responders, which is a police officer. And so I was coming to church, and I was thinking about getting to church quickly, get ready to set up and everything ready, and a police officer was sitting right underneath the bridge and pulled me over. 
driver's license, insurance card. Hi, officer. You know what you did wrong, Mr. Pittman? Yes, sir. I wasn't paying attention. I was going to church. I was going too fast. Why are you going too fast? Well, we're having first responders day. And we're fixing a steak dinner for all the police officers. Would you like to come? He said, uh, where's your church? I said, over on Drains Road, if you'd like to come, I'd love to have you be my guest. He said, yeah. And he came to church. And I didn't get a ticket. But I deserved it. So you know what I learned? Be careful the way you drive. So would I have learned better if I'd have got a ticket? Maybe. But if you're trying to do right, you don't need to get the whooping of your life to learn a lesson. You learn because you want to do right. But the wicked don't learn that way. They think I got away with it. And they get worse. And that's what he's saying in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse number 9. Now notice, if you would, with me, uh, in, 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 in A in the outline, sometimes, this is 4A, a man that does wickedness and is not quickly punished, a seemingly gets away with it. Sooner or later, he is punished by God. Look at verse 11. Because sentence against evil work is not executed speedily. So, that's part of the reason sometimes God is gracious to us and we take advantage of his graciousness. And he's saying, don't worry about that. Now watch and be in the outline. If a man does a hundred things wrong and doesn't pay for it, uh, how many of you have ever been driving and, driving and somebody goes blowing by you, it wheeze in and out of traffic, and it's a motorcycle? How many of you have ever seen that? Okay. They come blowing by you in and out. They go down the center line and they're right. And, and you, what is your thought? Where's a police officer when you need one? And so sometimes you begin to think this thought. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged and he keeps getting away with it a hundred times. Don't let it affect your heart. Why? He said, the Scripture says, sooner or later, the Lord calls him into judgment. No one gets away with evil. And you and I shouldn't try to play judge. Where's, I'm going to call the, I'm going to get his tag and call the police. Where is a police officer when you need them? Look, let you and I do what is right. And say, Lord, you take care of him. But let's pray for him. Lord, help him to learn and not pay with his life. You know, right down here at the end, of the, there's a turn down here. This young man got a car. He was driving down this way, motorcycle, driving down this way, 90 miles an hour, missed the turn, went into the retention pond and killed him. There right down the street is a white cross. And it, it, family come and decorate that cross regularly. You know what? I don't want that for him. Nor should you want that for him. You want him to learn a lesson through wisdom, not experience. 
Experience is a harsh teacher. And you and I are to be very careful how we wish things on people. That's what he's saying. If a man does a hundred things wrong and doesn't pay for it, God will still God will still bless the righteous for doing right. Remember, God will still bless the righteous for doing right. And a Christian shouldn't be jealous when the wicked are not quickly punished. Let's not let jealousy get in our heart. I've done right, and why is it? Uh, it seems like I don't get blessed for doing what's right. Look, we do what is right. Solomon's saying, just do what is right and let the Lord, the judge, take care of it. Even if he does it a hundred times, and gets away with it because payday always comes. Notice, see in the outline, we must continue to fear the Lord, do right, and enjoy the fruits of our labor. Look in verse 13, what he says, it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not God before the Lord. But notice, if you would, he's trying to get us to understand in verse number 15, then I commended myrrh, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat, drink, and to be merry, for that shall abide with him of his labor, the days of his life, which giveth, which God giveth him under the sun. So in verse 16, when I applied my heart to know wisdom, to see the business that is done upon the earth, now notice in verse number 17, then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work of God that is done under the sun. God has a plan. And you and I have to trust him. We're not going to know the plan of God. Sometimes a man gets away with wrong a hundred times in a row. We don't know his background. The Lord is trying to be good to him, to give him a second chance, a third, a 99th chance. You and I learn to do what's right and leave the judgment to the Lord. That's wisdom. It lets us live a happier life. Let's Respect the Lord. Let's fear the Lord and do what is right. Look at the last letter, D. We will never be able to figure out the, the workings of God with the wicked or the righteous. You're not going to be able to figure it out. We must remember that God is good. If you remember this, God is good. He is always good. He's been good to the man that, that gets away with it a hundred times. He's been good to you and I when we get caught the first time. He's trying to protect us, that young man. He's being gracious. The plan of God is always perfect because his heart is good. Remember that. And notice, and right will always be blessed. God says, I'm always going to bless righteousness. We look at it and say, but that's really not true because he got away with it a hundred times and I didn't get away with it once. Lord bless you for doing right. I like this. Look D in the outline. We must remember that God is good. Right will always be blessed over wickedness. Simple principles, but they're principles of wisdom. Learn to live in righteousness, and God will take care of the wicked. Let's bow our heads forward to prayer tonight. Uh, wisdom of Solomon. I'll ask the penis to come, and, and maybe you've gotten jealous over someone, a neighbor, someone around you that seemingly has been blessed or is exempt from all correction. Uh, no one is. Remember that God is good, and righteousness will always be blessed, and there's a God in heaven that sees to it. Father, speak to our hearts tonight. In your name we pray.
Amen.